0: Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to Lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey there, welcome to the program. It's uh, it's the twentieth of the third month of uh, two thousand nineteen, and uh, yeah, the clock just keeps on ticking. Time just keeps on keeps on. And here we are. Um, I keep saying it's too early to talk about uh, who the Democrats are going to be running against, uh, Donald Trump, by all indications, Donald Trump. Um, And I, uh, I guess the first debates are scheduled for what? June? Is that possible? Yeah? Uh, I wish we did elections differently (laughs) in this country. I was at a dinner last night, and somebody was talking about how they'd been in Germany and uh, when their uh, big national election was taking place and how, how different it was. First of all, how more compacted it is and uh, how there are many more restraints on, you know, how campaigning can be done and money in it. And we really have uh, mucked this up, I think. So Joe Biden, being uncoy, uh, clearly is jumping in. Uh, we're already, of course, media being what it is, uh, talking about polls and who's on top. And uh, and of course the people on the top of the democratic uh, polls are people who Democrats know. <laughs> They're not some of these new folks that uh, haven't uh, haven't gotten into our uh, line of vision, and uh, it, it's a it's silly. It's just plain silly. It would behoove the media to instead. Uh, make an effort, more of an effort, to introduce us. I'll give CNN credit for doing their town halls with uh, every candidate. That is, if somebody is serious about wanting to get to know each and every one of these people, uh, that certainly is a a pretty good introduction. Uh, But mostly, on a daily basis, it is, of course, the horse race, even now when we don't even have a full field. Who's ahead? Who's behind? Who's raised the most money? Um, And none of that uh, serves the interests of those of us who want to choose (laughs) wisely, and none of that serves the, uh, the national interest, I don't believe so biden is telling everybody but us that although he slipped the other day and said it it's all so silly so he's he's going to run and right away he becomes a front runner uh bernie sanders uh front runner because they're known been there done that they've both run <laughs> before and they're, of course, two old white men. Not that I would not vote for a white man, even an old white man. But because they're old white men, they've been allowed to be in the game a longer time. And uh, as a result, now they look to be in at the head of the field. Uh, A younger white male seems to be making inroads, and that would be Beto O'Rourke. And, you know, I have to say, initially when he, when I first learned about his existence, it was when he was challenging Ted Cruz uh, for the Senate seat from Texas, and it was an audacious challenge because Texas is Texas. And Beto captured the media's attention by virtue of, of frankly his uh charisma there is something about him the man uh that is 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 very attractive I, i'm not you understand what i'm saying that like a magnet <laughs> attractive and he also showed uh, a a, a ability to raise money. That people who found him attractive were giving money to him and also people were giving money to him because they sensed a possibility of getting the loathsome uh, Senator Cruz uh, out. But And and here again I don't wanna any of these people that are currently uh, vying for this nomination would be a hundredfold better than the current occupant of the White House, I do not want to belittle any of them. I really do not. Um, Beto for me has lost a little luster um, because i'm 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 increasingly concerned that he seems to be more superficial is my, what I'm going to say, that he clearly is a good candidate. And the skills of a candidate are not necessarily the skills of an executive, which I've said a million times. And this is just an unfortunate truism that the people who somehow know how to be attractive and uh, win elections don't always know (laughs) how to do the job once they get it. So I'm a little concerned about Beto being um, a great candidate, but I don't want to call him an empty suit, but maybe not a lot a lot there beyond that attraction that's just my first sort of feeling about him could be totally wrong I'm totally open to Beto O'Rourke for president if that's what it comes to um... I keep so far the candidates that I find most compelling I wasn't going to do this but I I do not think Biden is our best bet. Strangely, my son, a millennial, a young millennial, thinks Biden is the best bet. (laughs) I said, he's an old, he's 70, he's older than me, and he's he's run before, and he says stupid things, and he's a wonderful guy, I think, but he's like, you know... (laughs) and and I was stunned when my son said that but this is a young kid who's also trying to figure out who can win I don't know it's a scary thing isn't it a vote that you have a vote and for those of us who take that seriously it's it's daunting because you want to make the right decision, and to me, in this instance, the right decision is picking the person who can win. N- I, that's always the way I, I go about it, and I, you know, I always get furious with people who go by, oh, I fell so in love with so and so and saying. but you know, of course, so and so couldn't win the national election if you. So, who can win? And I don't know. And guess what? Neither do you. So it's scary that all of a sudden we're charged uh, with with figuring that out. Um, of all the people so far that I think I started that sentence a while ago and then somehow lost it, uh, that I'm drawn to, I must say the guy whose name I can't pronounce. It's the one, and more than not being able to pronounce it, I can't even begin to imagine learning to spell it and you know what that's a real to me that's a real problem, isn't it, unless he makes sort of a a joke about it, so it becomes everybody yeah, that guy, you know whatever. I think it has to be almost made into something sort of funny because Buddha judge and I don't really think that's a proper pronunciation, but that's the one I'm going with, um, is really uh, impressive (laughs) to me. Uh, The youngest, and some people say he's too young. He's just too young. I mean, even the founding fathers, at a time when life expectancy wasn't anywhere near what it is now, Uh, thought that 35 would be a minimal age uh, in terms of life experience to be uh, the chief executive of this country. And uh, Pete, as I guess we'll call him, is, uh, isn't that his name, Pete? (laughs) Pete, I can pronounce that, is what, 37? Uh, I think Another leader of a nation that is 37 or maybe 38 is the uh, Prime Minister of New Zealand. This uh, impressive woman who gave birth just last year, her first child, and uh, she's young and she has handled the horror that has uh, come to her country with uh, a grace and an eloquence and a firmness of resolve and a open-armed heart for Muslims in her country. She's been just really impressive as opposed to of course the guy who heads our country. Um, So I don't know that age Age is not a big thing for me, either on either end. Um, but all I've talked about are white men, right? Yeah. Of the people who aren't white men, I really got to know more. Kamala Harris looks like a very impressive uh, candidate. A lot of people have it in for her because of her prosecutorial background. That could prove to be a problem, I don't know. Elizabeth Warren, smart as a whip, but somehow lacking that attractiveness, I think. She's the classic, uh, not necessarily great skills as a candidate, I don't think, but uh, probably an extraordinarily able executive. I don't know trying to figure it out and I'm leaving out a whole bunch of people right uh, in the process the ones we don't know much about the governor of Washington and former governor of Colorado Hickenlooper right um, all these other people Cory Booker who for some reason I have a I don't know not sure about him I don't know why is he the one Who's the one that during the hearings did the Spartacus thing? Was that Cory Booker? Because um, I don't think it was. Whoever it was, I thought it was a real um, uh, off-putting uh, statement. It's funny how just one utterance can turn one Voter, potential voter, off. Just one little thing that is said, and you think, ugh, and then you sort of take that person and put them to the side. It's so unfair. It's so silly. It's so nuts. And yet, this is how we, I guess, humans generally make up our make up our mind. So Biden will be in, and we'll all be yapping and talking about him. Booker was the one who did the Spartacus thing. It just so put me off. It's like he was looking. I mean, that was premeditated, I think. And he was looking for that sound bite that was going to break through. <laughs> and I don't like that kind of calculation. I like a guy like Judge, who clearly just talks from his heart and his head. Speaks something like eight languages? You name me a U.S. president that ever has—I mean, have we had any president that speaks another language? George W. sorta spoke some Spanish. Um, we're not inclined, and so that is—that would be amazing to have a president who could actually—he's um, a Rhodes scholar. I, his smartness is 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 not up for debate, clearly. And his gayness is, um, doesn't seem to be getting much attention either. Of course, it would in certain, um, more conservative circles. Uh, but I don't know. Okay. I, I just wanted to say that because I saw this headline Biden in. Right under the Biden in is a thing that, uh, that, the owner of the Patriots, uh, Robert Kraft, has been offered a, uh, a deal of uh, some sort by, by prosecutors. And I don't think he'll accept it. That's my guess because the deal is uh, that he has to complete a, an education course about prostitution that he has to complete 100 hours of community service, that he has to be screened for sexually transmitted diseases, and that he has to pay the court costs. I, and and the biggie actually is, and I guess considered somewhat unusual, uh, he would have to agree that if the trial, if it were go to go to trial, the state would be able to prove his guilt. So in other words, he has to essentially say, right, you got me, I'm guilty, I'll do all this other stuff too, and I, you know, I can't, can't see that happening. I cannot see that happening. Um Today is one, o- one of those days where I just have sort of a grab bag of, of stuff, just things I've seen. Uh, no big arched overarching themes. Uh, Bitcoin, which I never understood. As I said, I'm jumping around today. Uh, also, front page Wall Street Journal story. Uh says that the price of Bitcoin is now down to $4,000? It's down to $4,000. Uh, none of this makes any sense to me, but what I did note is, oh, so it's down to 4000 I didn't know if that was horrible or what. It's pretty horrible because just about a year and a half ago, it was 20,000. <laughs> so, people who are holding those bitcoins, I mean, I can see holding them when each one's worth like 20,000, but uh it's down 85% in just about a year and a half. And uh, clearly it's one of those volatile commodities. I don't know if it's consi- what, how you even talk about it. Um but I I don't know what that means. I'm just throwing it out there, because it it, it occurs to me that uh, you know news now, at least cable news, which so many people watch, is is so focused on such a small view that you learn more than you need to know about some nonsense, and you don't even learn about the Existence of other stories. I mentioned the other day that there would have been a terrible uh, hurricane in uh, East Africa that had uh, hit three of some of the poorest nations uh, on earth. And at the time I told you that, I said that the death toll was uh, over 100 people, 150 people. Uh, that hurricane now is believed to perhaps be the most, uh, what's the adjective, destructive, powerful hurricane ever recorded in the southern hemisphere. It it essentially wiped out a city of some uh, 500,000 people. Uh, The death toll obviously a lot larger. Is that on the news? I'm just asking. Is it? Maybe it is. I I can't say I watch a lot of it, but I don't know. Uh, Beth writes about Beto. I'm over the Beto saturation. Yeah, he was a media darling because he's, I don't know. What's that phrase, that sort of southern phrase, all hat and no, and no what? Horse? What is it? All that what's that phrase? No what? No All hat and no cattle? Okay. And again, I I don't want to trash any of these guys, but that's just sort of the, the, the I'm starting to worry about him because I'd been so uh enamored of him when he was running against Cruz. But we have to remember he lost. He pulled a lot of people into the ballot. He, I think he helped a lot of other Democrats win. Um, but who knows? Uh, Beth, back to Beth. I worry the only reason we are hearing so much about him is because he raised so much money. Yeah, because that's what they focus on. Well, hell, if he raised $6.1 million in 24 hours, well, then he must be presidential timber. I mean, what? How f- up are we? Whoever has the most money wins? Whoever shows the capacity to attract the most money wins? Or gains our attention? Anyway, uh, b- back to Beth. Sorry, Beth, I keep interrupting your email. Uh, She says, so Beto's campaign will be able to spend all that money on ads with those media companies who are covering him so much now. Ah, they figure some of that gold is coming their way. Yeah. It seems like those are the only candidates we ever hear about, the ones who come out of the gate and raise tons of dough. If Beto could not beat the jellyfish named Ted Cruz in a red state, there's no way he can beat Trump. Okay, I'm not going to go that far, but I'm going to say that, yeah, at this point, all hat, no cattle to me. Somebody's asking, how about Michael Avenatti? Are you kidding me? I don't think so. Oh, dear, 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 dear. Hey, I want to give you a heads up on, uh, on something. For those of you who do believe um, that a city needs a newspaper and for those of you who also fear that the Post-Gazette looks like it's going down. And it is the only daily. It's not even a daily paper anymore. We don't have a daily newspaper in this town anymore. And what I'm talking about is one that you know, I can pick up. We already are there because the Post-Gazette only right they don't even print a, they don't print a uh an edition they're just digital on saturdays and maybe tuesdays don't know and if you think that it is hard to um know what's going on in your community to uh you fear that government and private kinds of corruption will bloom without the Fourth Estate sort of nosing around, asking pesky questions, then you might be interested in this because the Post-Gazette is in extraordinary trouble. First of all, because it is headed by a Trump-loving, dim-witted, child-abusing creep who thinks by virtue of his inherited wealth, he is our superior. Um, But the poor folks who have been laboring over there to put that paper out, um, that you might rely upon, have not gotten a raise in, what is it, 13 years? (laughs) As a matter of fact, I think they've lost... They've been asked to give back, give back, give back. Can you imagine? Their benefits have been eviscerated. They've been in contract negotiations with uh, the management there for a, a few years, I think now. And management is, you know, simply has employed a union busting kind of a law firm. Nothing is getting accomplished. So. I'm just saying that there is going to be uh, picketing (laughs) of the Post-Gazette's offices uh, in support of the people who are the Post-Gazette the reporters, the photographers, the editors the people who do all the stuff we don't even think about when we pick up a paper all of those people Who have been taking it on the chin all this time, watching their brethren uh, uh, jump, ship, run, be uh, downsized, watching the guys who they uh, trusted to lead the paper leave or be pushed out. So, Monday, that's what I'm getting at here, Monday from 4 to 6, if you could. B, in front of the Pittsburgh uh, Post-Gazette building, which, as you know now, is on the north side, um, right near the stadium. Uh, That'd be the Steelers Stadium, Hinesfield. Field. The address being 358 North Shore Drive. Um, It would be nice to lend support to these people and to let Mr. Blockhead... uh, see the support that his workers have the people who actually put the paper out, not him because what the hell does he do so just want to let you No, this is to help them to tell management there to to bargain in good faith. (coughs) If you want, just wanted to spread the word. Uh, Oh, God. I I happened to read this the other day, and I was so blown away by it that I have to share it with you. (coughs) Excuse me and I'm a little loath to because I know that well never mind because it has to do with Jews and uh, Jews are are just like um are a difficult topic right now uh if you are one and um and of course, because we know that there is an increase in uh, global activity targeting uh, Jews. And I just want to—this uh, is from the Smithsonian. Actually, <laughs> it's the Smithsonian from uh, November. And I—if you look at the at the cover, the 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 person who subscribed to it cut out there because it was in a doctor's office. You know, with a whole bunch of other Smithsonian's. I want to credit the doctor who put Smithsonian's in their uh, their office because you know they don't they don't age that rapidly. I mean, they're always interesting history and stuff like that. Um, And their big story is about another diary of a young woman uh, who wrote of her life in. As the Nazis came in, as she's ghettoized, as she lives in terror, as she falls in love, as all this, as she pleads for to God that she somehow survives, as blah, 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 and then it ends. She's shot in the head. The last uh, entry is done by her boyfriend, who had found a hiding place for her and his parents they he put them there and 24 hours later they'd been found and summarily executed it's just another story of a life that never got lived I was looking at the bios and pictures of some of the victims of the Christchurch massacre today. And my God, it rips your heart out. It rips your heart out. Lives, wondrous beings, lives with all of these possibilities just (laughs) obliterated. I hate crazed hate. So, I just th- this is just a fact I came across and I wanted to share it with you because <coughs> I think I know what it means. I'll leave you to figure out what you think it means. <coughs> um the place Amsterdam, the Netherlands. I was lucky enough to go to Amsterdam know, maybe about eight years ago? Probably longer. Ten years ago? Maybe more. You know how when you get old, you, you get really bad at at time? <laughs> you, you always think something happened just the other day and it turns out, it, no, that was 20 years, what are you talking about? That was 20 years ago. You hear 1997 and you think, oh, you know, that's a, and other people think, God, uh, you know. That was a million years ago. Whatever. So I was in Amsterdam, and one of the things, obviously, that I wanted to do while I was there was uh, go to see uh, Anne Frank's uh, house, not her house. It's where they, they hid where she wrote her diary, and it has been made into a, uh, a museum. And it uh, happened we were staying at a place uh, not far, It seems like we just walked a few blocks down the street and there we were. And it's a very powerful experience to be in the room where she was, where her family hid for years, um, to imagine that, to be standing there to know she wrote there, to know that that is where she was arrested. Anyway, Anne Frank is the most probably famous victim, right, of the Holocaust. Her diary has been uh, translated into uh, over 70 languages. So all over the world, this young girl's musings in her captivity have been uh, read. What's interesting is that she becomes the one we all know because nothing in her writing suggests the Holocaust. We know something terrible is happening and she's in hiding because she doesn't want to get caught, but she doesn't have real information about what exactly it is she fears if she were to be caught. (coughs) And the people who did get caught and then who managed to write diaries or who somehow survived and wrote, their books don't get translated into seventy languages and read as much. So the somebody pointed this out. So that the actual witnesses of the horror do not rise to being Anne Frank level, even though much of their work is every bit as eloquent and in fact more harrowing and some of it written by extremely young people as well, just saying. So imagine the Anne Frank House. They host millions of visitors from all over the world uh, every year. And and when you're there, you know, you can get a, you know, spe- as you do the tour, you can plug into something in your language. And they have, they have their audio tours in God knows how many languages, a gazillion of them. So you're walking through there with people who are listening in their own tongues to the reality that happened in those walls and to this child's uh, words. So here's what I'm gonna tell you. There was a a young man who worked there uh just two years ago. This happened two years ago, year and a half ago, actually. And <coughs> he was he was Jewish. <coughs> and uh he was a Jewish young man who wore a a skull cap, a yarmulka. When he showed up at work with it, he was told by his bosses at the Anne Frank House to cover it up, to put a baseball hat cap on or something, and to cover up. Is yarmulke. Now, try to digest that, try to understand that. This is in a museum dedicated to this young child who because of her religion, and only because of her religion, which was Jew, and here's a living Jew, not much older than her, who comes to work there wearing uh, a skull cap. And he's told to hide it. I can't even get my head around that. And it turns out that it became a little bit of an issue. I think the kid said something like, what? (laughs) Like, what? uh, what? And the folks at the Anne Frank House held firm. The managing director of the Anne Frank Museum told reporters, because it got to that level, and listen to this, that a Jew wearing a yarmulke might interfere with the museum's Independent position. <coughs> I'm I'm pausing here so that you try to um, I'm I want you all to use all those brain cells you have and parse that. You cannot wear a yarmulke as a representative of the Anne Frank Museum. Because it might interfere with the museum's independent position. I know what I think it means. Six months later, the museum finally relented. It took them six months. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to be a fly on the wall of those discussions? Okay, we'll let him wear the yarmulke. The uh, Smithsonian piece, which is where I'm getting this, the author said this, The museum finally relented after deliberating for six months, which seems like a rather long time for the Anne Frank House to ponder whether it was a good idea to force a Jew into hiding. And then the author goes on to say, okay, so that could be some kind of a, I don't know, a misunderstanding uh, if we try to make this seem okay. Uh, But it turns out that the previous year, some visitors to the museum, and I can't say I was one of them, noticed that in the place where you grab your audio guide, where you see which language uh, you you, uh, will choose. The audio guides were put up and represented by the flag of the nation. So, uh, the audio guide in German had a German flag, in Italian it had the Italian flag, yeah, 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 yeah. English, who knows, maybe the American or the English flag, I don't know. Only one country. There was one group, one country that didn't get their flag put up. I mean, that's a pretty incredible display of all those flags. Here, 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 here. There was one country that didn't have a flag. Which one do you think? Yeah. Israel. So the Jews who came from Israel to Amsterdam to see where this child had hidden and written and feared and dreamed. if they were looking for the star of david blue on white their flag so they could get the hebrew they didn't see it amidst all the flags that jew flag was apparently deemed what and i will go back to what the museum said initially i think deemed to somehow interfere with the independent position of the Anne Frank fucking house excuse me and I will say this quite clearly They've learned nothing. We've learned nothing. Uh... I wanted to share that because it, it just took the wind out of my sails when I read it last night. In the Anne Frank house. All right. What else do I have? What other wonders? Um. I don't recall this story and I want to share it with you because it was it was in the Washington Post uh, the other day and um, I don't recall when this happened but it happened here in Pennsylvania granted I think in the more eastern part of the state which sometimes seems like it's not the same state where we're living but uh, it involves a um, a guy, well, he's dead now. Uh, named Gregory Longnecker, and Gregory Longnecker was 51 years old. He was a short-order cook. This is in Berks County. Oh it is Berks County, uh, eastern part of the state. Um, anyway, the this made the Washington Post yesterday uh, because. Gregory Longnecker was was killed uh in July of last year um by police in the uh in the woods in a Pennsylvania ga- in a, in a game preserve I I believe a game preserve in uh, in, Bu- in Bucks County um And I don't remember this story, but his family is now suing the police for his death. And listen, I mean, as down the street here, another police officer is is on trial and will get off for the murder of a 17-year-old boy who was unarmed and running from them, shot in the back. But this guy is a 51-year-old white guy, short-order cook, loved the Grateful Dead, liked smoking pot, not an exemplary person, but no major criminal. And he was growing ten, count them, ten pot plants in a little clearing hidden deep inside this game preserve. The cops found him there one day. He ran. They chased. He died for 10 marijuana plants. Anyway, his family is filing a federal lawsuit. They're suing the state trooper. Who They're suing the game commission. Uh, a game commission employee happened to be clearing brush in the reserve, and he was on a bulldozer, and he took after the guy on his bulldozer. And that's how Longnecker died. He was run over by a bulldozer. It's Extraordinary to me um, that a whole but they called in two nearby police departments. So you've got game commission employee, you've got state troopers, and you've got two nearby police departments all called in because they found ten, ten, one, two, three, four, five, seven, eight, nine, ten pot plants. This is last year. the cops initially said it's pot- I, uh, we think maybe he had a heart attack because he was uh running and uh and then the guy driving the you know driving the bulldozer didn't even he was lying in the brush, didn't even see him, just ran right over him. The autopsy report said he didn't have a heart attack. He died of traumatic injuries. Inflact virtually every bone from his pelvis to his collarbone was crushed. While he's being chased by a bulldozer, two police departments, a state trooper, for tending his ten pot plants they called in a helicopter i'm there's a helicopter buzzing overhead the ACLU at the time called Longenecker the latest casualty in Pennsylvania's war on Can you imagine that they thought that lethal force, can you imagine that these police thought that it was even worth their while to chase him? He had been there with a friend. The friend surrendered immediately. The friend could say, You know, he lives at so-and-so, so-and-so. You can go pick him up. He's sure to show up there in the next 24, 36 hours. But no. You can call in the helicopters. You can call in bulldozers. You can call in, and we can run and play cops. No thinking no thought, no risk. Reward is this worth should Somebody potentially die when we can get him, we'll, but we don't have to go to all this trouble. If he'd been caught, and arrested, prosecuted, convicted, under Pennsylvania's sentencing guidelines. The the sentence he would have gotten for growing 10 pot plants on state land would have been, according to sentencing guidelines, probation. He wouldn't have served any time. So... Oh, the cops also said that the autopsy showed he'd been stoned. Oh, uh, well, then he deserved to die <coughs> i just i I don't remember that story at all, but I did uh see this that the family has sued um and is suing. The Pennsylvania State Police, the Pennsylvania Game Commission, the trooper, the Game Commission employee who was riding the bulldozer, blah, 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 all of those folks. And can you imagine? This is what inept police, police who, they were not in fear of, you know, somehow, sometimes with cops, you can say, well, it was a fraught situation. They didn't know if the guy had a gun or this and that. This was clearly no threat to them we're talking about ten plants overkill I don't even. All these dead people. Two pages full of dead people in today's New York Times with all those pictures. These wonderful people, some children, <coughs> young women, old men. Oh. else do I have? I wanted to tell you that um, I got other stuff, but I don't have time to get into it, do I? I sometimes do that to myself. I, I don't want to, but I'll share Trump's latest tweet. I don't know if it's his latest. Um, but again, we there is I, I got some uh, somebody sent me an email today uh, trolling me for <coughs> saying that Trump never colluded with anybody and how I'm gonna like lose my mind when nothing is provable blah 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 and I I just I, I want to say to the people who defend this guy <laughs> you don't have a leg to stand on in the moral universe. Not a leg. It's clear to any any human being with uh, any kind of a moral compass. He is the very definition of a loathsome human being. And he is not. I don't, if they don't Prove he colluded with Russia? It's possible he I, I'm not necessarily that that's not why he shouldn't be president if they can't prove he's there's still a million reasons why he shouldn't be president. He's a criminal, he's a con artist, he's a fraudster, he's a low life crook. And if people can't see that, and he's a such a damaged, ugly, hateful human being anyway. And this this shows it. So George Conway Kellyanne's husband <coughs> tweeted yesterday a tweet where he just took the DSM, the diagnostic manual for uh, psychologists and psychiatrists and and p- tweeted out the um the indications of a, a of a mental illness called narcissistic uh, personality disorder and it was a portrait of Donald Trump. I mean just down to the last syllable. So Trump tweets this this morning. George Conway, often referred to as Mr. Kellyanne Conway, I mean right there, this is school yard, this is middle school level taunting, and this is the president, the representative of our great nation, how does someone not cringe in embarrassment? George Conway, often referred to as Mr. Kelly Ann Conway by those who know him, is very jealous of his wife's success and angry that I, with her help. Didn't give him the job he so desperately wanted. I barely know him, but just take a look. A stone-cold loser and husband from hell. And right now, he's sitting in a meeting with Kellyanne Conway. How does... Okay, are, are we taking any bets on uh, when that marriage uh, breaks breaks up? Huh? Uh, Barbara sends me this. The third-ranking Democrat in the House on Tuesday called President Trump and his family, quote, the greatest threats to democracy of my lifetime. I would say that, yes, that is true. My mother would not say that because she'd say Adolf Hitler was, and I'd agree with that, but the greatest threats to democracy of my lifetime. And uh, he said Congress needed to do more to respond to the President's attempts to undermine American institutions. Uh, oh, this is uh, House Majority Whip J- uh, James Clyburn is the one uh, who said that. Yeah, well, I think he's seeing that right. Uh In an interview with uh, NBC, Clyburn said that he had once been asked if he has ever seen a toxic political climate like today's, and uh, he said, I have not, but I have studied history. And then he said this, Adolf Hitler was elected chancellor of Germany, and he went about the business of discrediting institutions to the point that people bought into it, Nobody would have believed it now. But swastikas were hanging in churches throughout Germany. We had better be very, very careful. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's it. Hey, tomorrow, uh, City Paper uh, reporter... Ryan Dito, who is just uh, passionate about public transit, is going to be coming in and, and talking, and he's got some interesting, interesting stuff to say about uh, the Pennsylvania Turnpike Commission, the nonsense of this hyperloop they're now talking about, um, of uh, we'll talk buses, bikeways, all that kind of stuff, all this transportation stuff uh... with ryan who definitely has a point of view uh... and i'm looking forward to it i don't always agree with him, but i pretty much think he's provocatively correct on much of what he says so that he'll be coming by in the second part of the show uh... tomorrow also talked to rob rogers uh, yesterday i'm hoping he'll stop in on friday But uh, we might not be able to make that happen. At any rate, he'll be coming by uh, soon. Okay, Uh, thank you all so much for joining me, if in fact you did. And uh, I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 Mm a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lincoln Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.